Hi class, this is Mrs. Spetter, and I am going to be reading Small Steps, The Year I Got Polio, Chapter 1, The Diagnosis. My ordeal began on a Friday early in September. In school that morning, I glanced at the clock <clears throat> often, eager for the homecoming parade at four o'clock. As a seventh grader, it was my first chance to take part in the homecoming fun. For a week, my friends and I had spent every spare moment working on the seventh grade float, and we were sure it would win first prize. My last class before lunch was chorus. I loved this to sing, and we were practicing a song whose lyrics are the inscription on the Statue of Liberty. Usually the words, give me your tired, your poor, brought goosebumps to my arms, but on homecoming day, I was distracted by a twitching muscle in my left thigh. As I sang, a section of my blue skirt popped up and down as if jumping beans lived in my leg. I pressed my hand against my thigh, trying to make the muscle be still, but it leapt and jerked beneath my fingers. I stretched my leg forward and rotated the ankle. Twitch, twitch. Next, I tightened my leg muscles for a few seconds, and then I relaxed them. Nothing helped. The bell rang. When I started toward my locker, my legs buckled as if nothing but cotton. But if I had nothing but cotton inside my skin, I collapsed, scattering my books on the floor. Someone yelled, Peg fainted. But I knew I had not fainted because my eyes stayed opened and I was conscious. I sat on the floor for a moment while my classmates collected my books. Are you all right? My friend Karen asked as she helped me to stand up. Yes, I don't know what happened. You look pale. I'm fine, I insisted, really. I put my books in my locker and I went home for lunch as I did every day. Two days earlier, I had gotten a sore throat and a headache. Now I felt, now I also felt weak and my back hurt. What rotten timing, I thought, to get sick on homecoming day. Although my legs felt wobbly, I walked 12 blocks home. I didn't tell my mother about the fall or my headache and other problems because I knew she would make me stay home and I didn't want to miss that parade. I was glad to sit down and eat lunch. Maybe, I thought, or I should have—I should not have stayed up so late the night before. Or maybe I'm just hungry. As soon as I eat, I won't feel so weak. When I reached for my glass of milk, my hand shook so hard I couldn't pick up the glass. I, I grasped it with, with both hands and they trembled so badly that milk sloshed over the side. Mother put her hand on my forehead. You feel hot, she said. You're going straight to bed. It was a relief to lie down. I wondered why my back hurt. I hadn't lifted anything heavy. I couldn't imagine why I was so tired either. I felt as if I had not slept in days. I fell asleep right away and I woke up three hours later with a stiff neck. My back hurt even more than it had earlier. And now my legs ached as well. Several times I had pain painful muscle spasms in my legs and toes. The muscles tightened until my knees bent and my toes curled, and I was unable to straighten my legs or toes until the spasms gradually passed. I looked at the clock. The homecoming parade started in 15 minutes. I want to go to the parade, I said. Mother stuck a thermometer in my mouth and said, 102, and called the doctor. The seventh grade float would have to win first place without me. I went back to sleep. Dr. Wright came took my temperature, listened to my breathing, and talked to my mother. Mother sponged my forehead with a cold cloth, 
I dozed and woke and slept again. At midnight, I began to vomit. Mother and dad helped me to the bathroom. We all assumed I had the flu. Dr. Wright returned before breakfast the next morning and took my temperature again. Still 102, he said. He helped me sit up with my feet dangling over the side of the bed. He tapped my knees with his rubber mallet. This was supposed to wake, make my legs jerk. They didn't. They hung limp and unresponsive. I was too woozy from pain and fever to care. He ran his fingernail across the bottom of my foot from heel to toes. It felt awful, but I couldn't pull my foot away. He did the same thing on the other foot with the same effect. I wished he would leave me alone so I could sleep. I need to do a spinal tap on her, he told my parents. Can you take her to the hospital right away? Dad helped me out of bed. I was too sick to get dressed. At the hospital, I lay on my side while Dr. Wright inserted a needle into my spinal column and withdrew some fluid. Although it didn't take long, it was painful. The laboratory analyzed the fluid immediately. When Dr. Wright got the results, he asked my parents to go to another room. While I dozed again, he told them the diagnosis, and they returned alone to tell me. Mother held my hand. You have polio, Dad said, and he stroked my hair back from my forehead. You will need to spend... You will need to go to a special hospital for polio patients in Minneapolis. Polio? Panic shot through me and I began to cry. I had seen Life magazine pictures of polio patients in wheelchairs or wearing heavy, long iron leg braces. Each year, the March of Dimes, which raised money to aid polio patients and fund research, printed a poster featuring a child in a wheelchair or wearing leg braces or using walking sticks. The posters hung in stores, schools, and libraries, frequent reminders of the terrible and lasting effects of polio. Everyone was afraid of polio. Since the epidemics usually happened in warm weather, children were kept away from swimming pools and other crowded public places every summer because their parents didn't want them exposed to the virus. How could I have polio? I didn't know anyone who had the disease. Where did the virus come from? How did it get in my body? I didn't want to have polio. I didn't want to leave my family and go to a hospital 100 miles from home. As we drove as we drove home to pack, I sat slumped in the back seat. How long will I have to stay in the hospital? I asked. Until you are well, mother said. I caught the look of dread and uncertainty that passed between my parents. It might be weeks or months or even years before I came home. It might be never. People sometimes died from polio. The fear unspoken settled over us like a blanket, smothering further conversation. When we got home, I was not allowed to leave the car, nor even say goodbye to Grandpa, who lived with us, or to BJ, my dog. We, we could not take a chance of spreading the deadly virus. Our orders were strict. I must contaminate no one. Karen called, Mother said when she returned with the suitcase. The seventh grade float won second prize. I was too sick and frightened to care. Grandpa waved at me through the car window. Tears glistened on his cheeks. I had never seen my grandfather cry. Later that morning, I walked into the isolation ward of the Sheltering Arms Hospital in Minneapolis and went to bed in a private room. No one was allowed except the doctors and nurses, and they wore masks. My parents stood outside on the grass, waving bravely and blowing kisses through the window. Exhausted, feverish, and scared, I fell asleep. When I woke up, 
I was paralyzed. 